0: We're taking a fresh look at Jesus and the movement he began. And the reason that we're doing this is because as Christians, we know that means to be a follower of Jesus. And if we want to be a follower of Jesus, that means we want to be like Jesus. And if we want to be like Jesus, well, that sort of means that we need to know what Jesus was like. So we're taking a real close look at the book of Luke. The book of Luke is a history of the life of Jesus written by A man named Luke, he was a physician and a historian, he traveled around with the Apostle Paul in the first century, and he tells us that he wanted the people that he knew to know for certain that the things that they believed about Jesus were true. They had all heard stories about Jesus, and lots of people were writing down accounts of the life of Jesus, and so... Luke took it upon himself to write down a a story about the life of Jesus based on true events. So he interviewed the eyewitnesses who knew Jesus, he did all his investigation, and he wrote it down for the purpose that people then and people now could know for certain what Jesus was like, what Jesus did and what Jesus taught. So that's what we've been doing. If you're just joining us for the first week, that's okay, you can jump right in. If you want to go back at some point and listen to the messages on the website, you can do that, but... You don't feel like you're missing anything if this is your first week with us. So today we're going to jump into Luke chapter 5. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. Luke chapter 5. Last week we took a look at uh, Jesus' calling of the first disciples, how he called Peter and James and John and invited them to partner with him in his mission. Today we're going to see that Luke introduces us to another group of people. A group of people who, uh, throughout the rest of the story, are going to sort of be like the bad guys in the story. They're they're known as the Pharisees. We're going to talk a little bit about them today. So Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 17. It says, one day Jesus was teaching. This is one of the things that he regularly did. He'd go around to the different towns in the area of Galilee and Judea, and he would teach in the different synagogues of the different towns. Uh, and then he would usually heal people and perform some miracles. But, uh, and wherever he went, he was usually drawn a pretty big crowd. People would come to hear Jesus speak from all over. In this particular case, it says, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. So I want to talk a little bit about this group called the Pharisees. The Pharisees was this group of religious, devoutly religious Jewish people in the first century. They were were the real religious folks uh, of the Jewish religion in the first century. They were very strict uh, followers of the law. Uh, They believed that following the law of Jesus... um, was following the law of Moses was what was going to restore the kingdom back to Israel. They believed that strict observance of the law, keeping all of the rituals and all of the ceremonies and all of the law, was the thing that God was going to use to bring the kingdom back to Israel. They believed that they were still in this period of exile because the fact that they were under Roman oppression, they believed that this was still a sign that they were under God's judgment. To some extent and so they believe that the way to get out of this was to get back to being a very strict follower of the law. Because as they read their Bible, which we call our Old Testament, they saw that what happened was the Jews, when they forsook the law of God, they came under judgment and they were thrown into exile and and so they believed that the reason they were still under Roman oppression was because they had not yet restored the covenant with God and so they thought the way to do that was to make everybody strict observers of the law of Moses. So they were the real religious church folks of the day, right? They, would, they were the ones who were in synagogue every Saturday. They probably had a midweek Torah study that they never missed. You know, they wore their Jewish t-shirts with all their scriptures on it. They made sure everybody knew that they were in church all of the time. Um, you know, they, they made sure that everything was right. That Jesus tells us that, you know, they tithed from everything, right? Even their spices. Can you imagine that? Like, you go to the store and you buy a new container of spices, and you say, oh, well, I got a tithe from everything, so you, you come to church and you put a little bit of your cumin in the, uh, in the offering plate as we pass it around. Right, this is, where the, this is how the, the Pharisees lived. They believed that... All right, some background music. They believed that, uh, in case that's coming from here, I'm just going to turn that off. <laughs> they believed that this strict adherence to the ritual and ceremony of the Mosaic law was what was going to restore the kingdom to Israel. And so they were very serious about it. Some of them were so serious about it that they would actually attack, physically attack other Jews who they thought were compromising on the law because they thought that was bringing judgment upon them. So they would sometimes even kill other Jews who, who they thought were somehow compromising on the law or getting too close and too friendly with the Roman oppressors. They were very serious, very religious folks. But here's the thing that I, I, I want to make sure you don't miss about the Pharisees. They genuinely believed that they were serving God. The Pharisees, they didn't intend to be the bad guys. As we read through the, the gospel stories, we see that the, the Pharisees are sort of portrayed as the bad guys because they're always standing against Jesus. And we're going to see that here in a minute as we continue through the story. Uh, they didn't intend to be the bad guys. They thought they were doing what was right. Even later on when we see that they hand Jesus over to be crucified, they believe that they were doing the will of God. The Apostle Paul, who who wrote like half the New Testament after he became a Christian, he started out as a Pharisee. And as he was dragging away Christians to have them persecuted and beaten and imprisoned and killed, he believed he was doing the will of God. So so what I want you to see is sometimes people who are really, really religious and who are so intense about doing everything according to the right standards are actually standing in opposition to God. And that that should get my attention as somebody who is sort of a professional religious person, like a lot of the Pharisees were. That should get my attention that sometimes I can be so caught up in the religious ritual of what I do that I actually end up missing what it is that God is trying to do. And here's why. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were more concerned about proper teaching and proper practice than they were people. The Pharisees were more concerned about proper teaching and proper practice than they were about people. So when Jesus comes along and he says, no, no, people are more important than any of this other stuff, the Pharisees say, no, 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 no. You don't understand. Have you read the law? We've got to get back to the law. It's right doctrine and it's right practice and it's right ceremony that, 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 God, that God honors. And Jesus says, you guys are missing the point. All of this was meant to help people come into relationship with God. A lot of times I think as Christians, we... As religious people, sometimes we tend to be more like the Pharisees than we tend to be like Jesus. And that's something for religious people like me and maybe like you to pay attention to. So, as we work through this story in the Gospel of Luke, pay attention to the Pharisees. And and ask yourself, like I ask myself, okay, am I, in this situation, would I tend to be more like the Pharisees, usually, or would I tend to be more like Jesus? And if you know people who are more concerned about how you dress in church than getting people who don't know Jesus to church, you might be more like a Pharisee than, than like Jesus. If you're more concerned about making sure that every little aspect of doctrine is right than you are about people, you might be more like a Pharisee than you are like Jesus. And so these are some of the, things, some of the questions we want to ask ourselves as we move through the Gospel of Luke. It says they had come from every village in Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. So here we have this, you know, Jesus who, from what we, we, you know, he didn't go to any of the best, you know, Jewish seminaries in the day as far as we know, right? And yet here he is, this young prophet, preacher, who's drawing these huge crowds and preaching about the kingdom of God. And so all these religious people need to show up and figure out who this guy is and what he's talking about. Why is this young guy that we've never really heard of, why is he starting to draw in all of these crowds? What's going on? So all of these professional religious people want to make sure that you know, doctrine isn't being compromised, making sure that somebody who's talking about the kingdom isn't going to undermine their purposes. <clears throat> so they all show up to see just what, what the news is about this new Jewish prophet who's sort of taking the scene by storm. As we continue, <clears throat> verse 18 It says, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his bed mat, on his mat, through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. So I want you to sort of put yourself in the, in the situation of Jesus' crowd for just a minute. Imagine that, you know, we had such a full house in here that nobody could come in through the front door. And imagine that somehow word had got around that, you know, I had this power to heal people, right? And so you, you've got a friend who's paralyzed, and, and so, but, the, but, the, but the place is packed, right? It's just standing room only. There's no way to get in. So, somebody, imagine that as I'm sitting here preaching and teaching, as I'm standing here teaching, somebody breaks one of these windows over here, they just break the window and they carry their friend in, right right in the middle of service, right as I'm in the middle of preaching, and they put him right in front of me and and want me to heal him. How would you react to that kind of situation? Somebody breaks the window and, and interrupts the service. Would you be happy? Would you be concerned? Would you be Upset? Would you be angry that they destroyed property and that they interrupted the service? Dang it! Couldn't they have waited till the end? Right? Let's, you know, personally, if somebody did that while I was in the middle of my sermon, I might be a little, I might be a little annoyed, right? Couldn't you wait till the end? I, you know, I don't preach for that long anyway. Um, <clears throat> you know, so it, 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 just imagine how, how you might feel in that situation. You know, imagine if you're one of these religious leaders and all of a sudden you see some of these followers of Jesus like causing physical destruction to the, to the property. Now, we know that houses in the first century had roof access and all that, but Luke says they moved the tile. So it sounds like there was a little bit of, of destruction of property that went on so that they could get uh, this guy healed. So, verse 20 tells us how Jesus responds. It says, uh, When Jesus saw this, he said, What are you guys doing? Don't you know that you shouldn't destroy people's property? Don't you know that you shouldn't interrupt the middle of a sermon? (coughs) Excuse me. Go back home. (coughs) I'll come see you when I'm done. I've got visitation hours, okay? Does your Bible not say that? No. It says, when Jesus saw their faith. Wait a second. How can you see faith? Faith is invisible, right? Faith is on the inside. You You can't see faith, can you? Jesus saw their faith. How did he see their faith? Through their actions. Their actions demonstrated their faith. What they believed was made evident by the way that they lived. Jesus could tell that they had faith in him because they were willing... To take action upon that belief. Such action that they were willing to, to break up a, some, a stranger's house to lower their friend and to get healed because they believed that the healing of their friend was more important than any religious service or, or even the, and, than any property. Right? Now, we, you know, we might take a little bit of issue with that. Hold on a second. I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, people are important, but more important than a service? More important than property? And yet Jesus looks at this and and he he seems to be in admiration, he seems to be in awe that they would have such kind of faith to to get help for their friend that they were willing to do whatever was necessary. Jesus saw their faith, and he saw their faith through their actions, and he had admiration for those actions. So here's a question for you. Can people see your faith? By the way that you live, by the way that I live, can people tell that I'm a Christian? Can they tell that I follow Jesus by the way that I live? Do I live in such a way that people can look at me and say, I I bet he's a Christian. I bet he believes in Jesus. Is is there a way that I live that people can look at me and see my faith? Is there a way that you live that people can look at you and see your faith? What are you doing that people can see that? Because otherwise, faith is invisible. I can say that I believe all kinds of things, but if you want to know what I really believe, look at how I act. If you want to know what I really believe, look at how I act. Jesus was able to look at the actions of these people and tell that they had faith to get their friend the help he needed. So Jesus responds when he sees this act of faith, he says, friend, your sins are forgiven. Wait a second. They didn't come for forgiveness. They came for healing. And this is where things get a little uncomfortable for me as a preacher. Because, I, as I, you know, I... I, I I just wonder you know what what relationship do our sins have with our with our health and I, I, there's not a really easy answer, and so if you're looking for one, you're going to be very sorely disappointed i, I don't really know there's, there's different aspects, but here in this particular case, Jesus seems to make the connection between our our sins and, and our our health at least for this particular person i 'm not saying it's that way all of the time. there are other stories in the gospels uh, in In John chapter 9, I believe, where there's a blind man and his disciples say, why is this guy blind? Was it his sins or his parents? And Jesus says it was nobody's sins. So, you know, I don't want you to walk around here thinking that if you're not healthy, it's because you have some unconfessed sin in your life. That's not necessarily what I'm saying. But Jesus is sort of drawing a connection here between the spiritual and the physical. That does exist, and it's not a really clean line. So if you're hoping that I'm going to give you some really cut and dry answer, well, then, you know, you're going to be a little disappointed. I think Jesus' followers were disappointed sometimes that he didn't give them more cut-and-dried answers. But in this particular case, Jesus looks at this guy who's been paralyzed and lowered on the floor, and he says, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Now take just a second and put yourself in the Pharisee's sandals, okay? Imagine that you are these religious leaders, really devout religious people, and you see this new preacher who's come to town, who's drawn all sorts of crowds and healing people, and then he looks at somebody and says, Your sins are forgiven. You say, uh, excuse me? Who, who do you think you are, buddy? You, we have a system for forgiving sins, okay? That system is the temple. God forgives sins, but only God can forgive sins, and we do that a very special. We've got a, we've got a set system for that. If you want your sins forgiven, you go to the temple, and you sacrifice the right animals, and you pay you know, the right fine to the priests and the high priests, and we've got the Day of Atonement. If that's how sins are forgiven, mister. Who do you think you are walking into town and thinking that you can just forgive sins? So all of a sudden we see that Jesus is starting to ruffle the feathers of some religious people, isn't he? Look at their response. Verse 21. It says, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus here is claiming to have authority to speak on God's behalf. And that's a really big deal. And that's going to end up getting him killed later on. Jesus here is claiming to have a special kind of authority and he's going to get the feathers of the religious people all ruffled up when he does this. Who can speak blasphemy but God alone? Look what happens next. Jesus knew what they were thinking. Wow. That's got to get your attention, right? Jesus knew what they were thinking. This, obviously, we're starting to see that, that this isn't just some ordinary guy, right? Jesus isn't just some ordinary preacher and prophet. Jesus knew what they were thinking. And then he looks them in the eye. And so he, this should shatter any, any misconception we have of Jesus meek and mild, right? We sing about Jesus meek and mild. Jesus wasn't meek and mild. He looks the religious leaders right in the eye, and he says, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Can you imagine that? Looking at the religious professionals in the eye, you're this new preacher, you know what they're thinking, and he says, why are you thinking such things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And at this point, the religious leader's jaw would have just gone... Right, their jaw would have just hit the floor as Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man. Because the Son of Man is, is a reference to the, probably the book of Daniel where the Son of Man is this sort of divine messianic figure who's going to come and, and restore the, the kingdom, who's going to come uh, and, and be this great deliverer. And so here we have this young prophet that nobody's ever heard about, doesn't come from the Pharisees, who's claiming to be the Son of Man, this Messiah. And yet he's doing everything all wrong. He's not leading an army. He's saying that we should love our neighbors and we should serve the poor and the oppressed. That's not how the kingdom comes. The kingdom comes through ritual and strict observance of the law. So all of a sudden, Jesus is starting to show these religious people that that the way that the kingdom of God is coming this time is nowhere that you expect. Oh, and by the way, I'm the son of man. I have power on earth to forgive sins. Yeah, just, just imagine, just imagine how upset these Pharisees would have been sitting in that seat as they watched Jesus perform these miracles and claim to be this deliverer and doing it in the completely opposite, wrong way that they would have expected. You can understand why they, why they become so upset with him over time. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And he gets up. Look what happens? Immediately he stood up in front of them took what he had been lying on and went home praising God wouldn't you wouldn't you I mean if you experienced that kind of deliverance and that would you just like you'd pick up your mat and you'd like dance if you've been paralyzed your whole life you'd like dance your way out right you'd go home praising God it says everyone was amazed and gave praise to God they were filled with awe and said we have seen remarkable things today We have seen remarkable things today. And yet, as we're going to see, these remarkable things are happening. People are being forgiven. People are being healed. The kingdom of God is coming. Jesus is doing incredible things. Lives are being changed. And yet there are still religious people who are upset about the whole thing because it wasn't happening the way that they thought it should happen. And dang it, if it's going to happen, it needs to happen according to our plan and the way that we think it should happen. So here's, here's the bottom line that I want you to take away from this message, and as we move forward... Sometimes the people who seem the most religious are actually the furthest from God. Sometimes the people who seem the most religious are actually the furthest from God. It's not religious ritual. It's not necessarily church attendance. It's not necessarily, you know, everybody can see your Christian bumper stickers and Christian t-shirts and, you know, Christian ball caps and, you know, see you at church every day time the doors open, that's not necessarily what it is that makes you close to God. As we can see, sometimes the people who seem the most religious are the furthest from God, which is why I think this series is so important. Because over time, Christianity, it's it's just natural. It's natural for religious people to settle into systems and to think that the system becomes more important than the people the systems were designed to serve. So as we dive into this, we, we really want to do some self-examination. As a, as a religious professional, I need to do some self-examination and make sure that I'm not like the Pharisees, that I'm not letting ritual and ceremony in the way that I think things ought to be done get in the way of serving and loving and caring for the people that Jesus came to die for, the same people that Jesus came to serve. Sometimes the people who actually seem, sometimes the people who are the most religious are actually the furthest from God. Just a a humbling reminder for us to keep in mind as we move through this series. We want to be like Jesus. But sometimes, without knowing it, we become more and more like the Pharisees, and that's not where we want to be.